Kevin L. McCrudden is the only motivational and leadership speaker in America to ever have a day of recognition passed by the United States Congress. January 2nd of every year is National Motivation and Inspiration Day. Kevin is an international author, speaker, and America's CMO, Chief Motivation Officer. Join us now for an hour to motivate and inspire your life. Welcome back to another week of Motivate America with Kevin McCrudden. This is Kevin McCrudden, America's Chief Motivation Officer, CMO. It's still very funny for me to say it, but uh, I've been saying it now for a few years, and uh, I guess I might as well wear it since I've been saying it, right? Uh, I hope you're all well. I hope you've had a, a good couple of weeks. And um, as I stare out of my, uh, my balcony here in uh, sunny Southern California, I'm in uh, Orange County this week. I'm bringing you the show live from Orange County. And it is uh, absolutely spectacular here, but exactly what you consider uh, when you think about Southern California. It is uh, mountainous and hilly and crowded with lots and lots of ho uh, homes on the hills and uh, a little bit of smog thrown in. <laughs> so um, interesting view, but nonetheless, beautiful place to be. I'll be out here for the week. Looking forward to it. But, uh, you know, once again, just uh, uh, blessed to be here with you and enjoying a beautiful evening in Southern California. For my friends back home in uh, back east, out in the Hamptons, uh, I hope uh, you know uh, weather isn't too bad. I understand it's been pretty bad this week. Lots of uh, lots of rain and thunderstorms. And uh, my friends uh, in Scottsdale had uh, tons of monsoons over the past couple of weeks. A lot of water, much more uh, much more water than they've had in many years. So uh, you know whether we call it global warming or whether we call it uh, climate change, there is something going on. Uh, We'll pick that up with uh, with my buddy Chris here in a couple of minutes. To those of you that have been listening to me over the years, uh, one of my one of my you know friends in this industry, uh, I, I don't know if I'd call him a mentor, but certainly you know Chris and I have had a, a very uh, very strong relationship, and he's he certainly helped me along the way. Uh, he is uh, one of the most well known uh, speakers in the world. Uh, he's traveled all over the world as a speaker. Uh, he's worked with some of the biggest names in the industry. Uh, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, um, John Maxwell. Uh, you know, Chris is a very, very well respected speaker uh, and author. He, he has a, a number of books. And um, tonight we're going to talk to him a little bit about. Uh, he, he recently had a surgery. We'll check in and see how he's feeling. And then uh, we'll also talk a, a little bit about his new radio show. He has a new radio show uh, essentially talking about being real men. So I look forward to talking to him a little bit about that. Let's see if uh, let's see if Chris is on. Hey, hey, Chris, you with us? Chris, you with us? I am. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, man, nice to hear from you again. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Uh, enjoying the beautiful weather of Scottsdale, Arizona. How how you feeling? I know we had a, a little bit of a little bit of an operation, a little bit of a, a procedure going on. How you feeling? I'm doing great in full recovery and uh, going out and cashing checks and kicking tail and doing great things. Good man, good for you. I'm glad and and hopefully soon you'll have your uh, your golf swing back as well. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I'm <laughs> glad you hear it. Chris, so, you know, um, as I was introducing you, I mean, we've been friends now for a few years, and, and I'm just so blessed to have you as a friend and uh, and your mentorship and your guidance in so many ways. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit about this, this new show that you've launched, this new radio show uh, about being uh, real men. Uh, tell, tell folks a little bit about what the show is and, and where they can listen in and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's actually a podcast. We do it at realmanpodcast.com, realmanpodcast.com. It's called How to Be a Real Man. Uh, it was founded by me and a friend of mine, Larry Wingett, who's a six-time New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling author. Uh, Larry calls himself the pit bull of personal development. He's the author of such books as Shut Up, Stop Whining, and Get a Life, and uh, Grow a Pair. 
your children are your own damn fault, and people are stupid, and I can prove it. Um, and so uh, he's a regular Those on Fox brutal News. Titles. And, Those are brutal titles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's great. He calls himself uh, the world's only irritational speaker. So you're the CMO. He's the CIO, Chief Irritational <laughs> Officer. Um, and the funny thing is, you know, we call the podcast Good Cop, Bad Cop. And right before we were going to go uh, record it one day, he looks at me and says, you know what? I've been thinking about this Good Cop, Bad Cop thing. And I said, yeah. And he said, I just finally realized something. I said, yeah. He said, I'm actually the good cop. You're the bad cop. And I said, yeah, it's just you come across as the bad cop. So we uh, got together. We had we had known of each other, and I think we might have had a couple phone calls before I moved down here to Scottsdale. And we got together for the first time about six, maybe seven months ago now, had a, a glass of bourbon and a cigar, and we started talking about uh, men and the state of men in America. And uh, he said, you know, we need to write a book. And I said, well, we need to – uh, develop a podcast. So we developed a podcast and it's become one of the fastest growing men's podcasts in the world. And uh, it's, of course, on iTunes and Stitcher and iHeartRadio and, and all those kinds of things as well, and being able to listen direct at realmanpodcast.com. But we deal with, um, we deal with everything from uh, how to raise your kids. Um, you know, we've done stuff on uh, uh, who's raising our teenage boys to uh, teaching yeah. your children to lose. Uh, we've done some on suicide. Why is it that uh, that white affluent uh, men are killing themselves in record numbers? Uh, and then we do some some fun stuff on sex and and uh, relationships. We talk about uh, why men need to have friendships. We talk about ambition. And then of course we just interviewed a guy uh, that uh, uh, just passed away a couple a couple days ago now. A guy named Mark Hoverson and. Uh, and we interviewed Mark about two months ago uh, about what it means to live and die courageously. And it was one of our most powerful podcasts. So um, wow. we're just talking about all the issues that are important to men in America today. Well, Chris, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. You know that, you know, I, I went through a, a devastating divorce and I was kind of lost and wandering there for, uh, for a while. And it was, uh, it was really devastating to me. But you and I have had a number of these conversations about, our young millennial boys and, and how, how, you know, I, I think, uh, Donald Trump or someone else, you know, uh, calls them, uh, you know, wall, not wallflowers, uh, calls them, uh, something flowers. Right. And, and, you know, this idea of them being sort of, um, uh, coddled, you know, too coddled. What's the response been to people from around the country or men from around the country? What kind of, uh, what are the most important things that are bothering them and what are they talking to you about? And, and what are what are potentially some of the solutions, Chris? Have you guys kind of come up with some things, or or why we are you talking about millennials or men in general? Millennials and, and men, because obviously I think millennials are, are going through a, a, a certain transition as well, and maybe it's because men aren't leading, or or men aren't leading the way they should be leading. Uh, I'm sure that's you know certainly a part of the conversation. But your feedback from your listeners, what are some of the things that they're saying? What are they frustrated about? Well, I think they're frustrated about the way culture is trying to define manhood and masculinity. You know, uh, 75 years ago, nobody nobody had a uh, a difference of opinion on what a real man was. You know, um, and and you know, I guess in some ways it was based on a caricature uh, of what a real man was, but. Uh, which Larry and I don't adhere to. We don't adhere to that caricature that, you know, if you're a real man, you're six foot three and you ride a horse and smoke Marlboros and, you know, drink whiskey. And, you know, that that's not uh, that's not our idea of what a real man is. We always say that a real man can be six foot four or five foot four, can weigh 240 pounds or 140 pounds, that being a real man is about character and uh, ethics and commitments and morality and uh, chivalry and, and those kinds of things. And so I just think that what has happened, you know, uh, back in the day, Ward Cleaver was highly respected. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, television shows, they showed um, men who ran their homes and, uh, and were good husbands and good fathers, traditional fathers and traditional men. Mm -hmm. And then they began to mock that, you know, mm -hmm. People will say, what is this, Ozzy and Harriet? Well, what was so wrong with Ozzy? There was nothing so wrong with Ozzy except that he didn't fit the bill of what culture wanted to change manhood into and masculinity into. And now it's hard to find a television show or, uh, you know, 
the like that uh, that the man isn't an imbecile. And you well, know, you know what, I, I only you should say that, Chris. I mean, I don't, I, and I've said this a number of times. But I mean, if you sit through uh, network TV for an evening and watch the commercials, just the commercials themselves, I'd say ninety percent of the commercials that include a white man is somehow a buffoon or an idiot. And you're exactly right. This belittling, this constant belittling of what a, a man is, is uh, is certainly, it has to at some point have a penetration within the culture and the psyche of young men. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I sort of use as a uh, sort of a standard the, the TV show King of Queens, you know, with Kevin, um, uh, I can't remember his James. last name. He's a, an, an actor. Um, what is it? Kevin James. Kevin James, right, yeah, who I think is a funny comedian, but he's a buffoon, and he yeah. wouldn't be able to eat or tie his shoes if his wife didn't come in and save the day. And that sort of seems to be typical of the way men are portrayed in the media today. Um, and it's it's almost as though, um, and, and I think, I actually think there are a lot of good things about the feminist movement. I think that women ought to be paid an equal wage. If they show up and they do the same work, they ought to be paid the same as a man. I think there's a lot of, of a lot of things that are good about the feminist movement. But what has been negative about the feminist movement is that, generally speaking, is they they go back to that old playground adage, you know, that our parents tell us not to adhere to, which is you don't have to knock somebody else down in order to build yourself up. But the modern feminist movement, which is has some some honestly good goals, the only way they try to achieve it is by you know, berating or demeaning men, and you don't need yeah. to berate or demean men in order to advance your own cause. Agreed, agreed. And I think to some degree, Chris, and and I know that you also have, you know, you're you're very astute politically, and and I think when we start to mix culture and politics, I wonder if that's a contributing factor to the divisiveness in America when it comes to culture and politics. People almost can't tolerate to, to even listen to a person with a different view of the world, and they just shut them down. And they're disgusting, and and then it becomes really sort of derogatory, negative language, like cursing at each other. It, it's really become very harmful. Yeah, I think people self-select themselves into the two parties based on their um, affinity groups. I mean, if you are pro-life, you automatically are a Republican. Um, if you're pro-gun, you're a Republican. If you're, you know, pro-immigration or open borders, you're a Democrat. So I don't know that it's Democrats are this. It's that these people are whatever, Democrat or Republican. And so we end up with these firmly held beliefs that divide us politically. And then, of course, you know, we, we start pulling out the, the proverbial guns and shooting anybody that doesn't agree with us. Yeah, and it's horrible, and it has become an incredibly. Have, have you found in, in your conversations with Larry, and um, you know, obviously he's a no hold barred kind of guy. He, he says whatever he thinks. Has there become a uh, this intolerance? Has it been translated into just an out and out disrespect for men? Has it just oh, become disrespect? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what's interesting is is that Larry and I, we both are are pretty. Um, firm in our political beliefs, but the, the podcast is not really a political podcast. We try mm -hmm. to, to keep it down the middle because we believe that real men can be Democrats and real men can be Republicans, and, and right. we don't think right. that that's necessarily what, what the, the idea is. But, um, but what we want to do is we want to fight for those kinds of values that real men uh, adhere to. And one of the number one things is that real men are committed to their commitments. So we're coming out with a book called The Real Man's Guide, 12 Commitments That Real Men Make. And one of the commitments is a commitment to your commitments, right? So what, <laughs> right, right, right. Supposed, what are we supposed to be committed to? And, you know, somebody says, well, I'm committed to this, but then they stop. Does that mean they're really committed to it? So commitments to marriage, commitments to being a, a, a father, commitments to your work, commitments to um, uh, financial security, all the things that we should be committed to, those are what make real men, not the caricature of what people right. think a real man is. Yeah, integrity and character. And, and, and I think Absolutely. that is something, I think that is something, unfortunately, Chris, in modern-day society, and then we'll talk about the Internet and, and how that may be impacting, uh, 
younger men positively or negatively. And, and once again, we, we said media, media's influence on, on society and on young men and, and men in general. But, you know, when you think about that level of disrespect and the constant tone of it, um, you know, where do you guys see the, the outcome? I can imagine Larry being pretty, pretty vocal about this, but what's the outcome? Where do you see this going? See the outcome of what going? This, this disrespect and this mistreatment and this, you know, just this negative uh, view of sort of men in America. Well, it's an uphill battle, obviously, because the media has power and they have the ability to communicate and reach a, a vast amount of people. But the way that it, we stop it is by men stepping up and doing their thing, right? I mean, frankly, we play into the hands. Every time we, every time we blow it, we play into the hands of those who are trying to establish the narrative. And so uh, it's important for men, and this is why Larry and I don't see this as so much a business as much as we see it as a movement. And, yeah. you know, Larry and I, we've talked about, we'd love to see, I don't know if you remember a group called Promise Keepers back in the 90s, uh, which was a Christian group, and our group is not a religious group at all, um, but we, we see it in sort of similar fashion. The rise of the group Promise Keepers shows that there was a real need for men to be able to get together and to talk about those important things. They, of course, had a, a Christian element to it, but they were big on racial, racial reconciliation and serving your wife and being a committed father and, and all these kinds of things, and, and they blew up. I mean, they were filling out 100,000-seat football stadiums all across America. Um, and, you know, when Larry and I looked at it, we said there is no movement like this. There's nobody out there leading the way, championing this idea of, of being uh, the kind of men that we're supposed to be. Well, I mean, Chris, here comes the other piece, right? And the Christian community, I've had the benefit of, of now, you know, when I, when I did my brief walk across the country and, and ran into uh, some Christian groups and spoke to them and I've spoken to them afterwards, you know, the belief system and the groups that they put together, I mean, I don't know of a Christian church that doesn't have men's groups, uh, young men's groups, father-son groups. I mean, they're certainly aware of, of what's going on, in, but it's, it's Christian-based. Do you think, once again, our modern culture and this, once again, not only just disrespect for men, but there seems to be a disrespect for religion, there seems to be a disrespect for a lack of following of, of faith-based stuff. Do you see that as a problem too, Chris, in, in sort of aligned yeah, or in, in conjunction with? Yeah, I do. In fact, when you uh, one of the most uh, important books that hardly anybody's read was a book called Slouching Towards Gomorrah by written, written by the late Robert Bork. Of course, most people probably remember Robert Bork was uh, the Solicitor General under Nixon and, uh, and then ended up being you know, caught up in that whole mess. He was nominated, uh, I think, by Reagan to become a Supreme Court justice, and Ted Kennedy took it upon himself to, to, to destroy the man, in which he became a verb. Now, anytime somebody is destroyed in their quest to become a Supreme Court justice, it's called being borked. But he, uh, he wrote a book called Slouching Towards Gomorrah, where he under, underlines and, and shows how the left, in particular, decided that the way to take over America in the 1960s was to take over the institutions, to take over things like Hollywood and education and the churches. And so you see a fundamental shift in American history in the 1960s. Of course, most people say, yeah, free sex and marijuana and that kind of stuff. But this was a, an orchestrated event by the left to, to demolish anything that could attach us to our historical uh, uh, our, our history. Um, and so the idea to come in and undermine, uh, for example, the church in the 1960s, you see what was called the higher critical method of uh, theology that took place and took root in America's seminaries, where all of a sudden you didn't believe the Bible anymore. And, and the whole idea was to attack the Bible and the legitimacy of the Bible so that you could replace it with modern left-wing uh, theory. Uh, the same thing happened in academia, where it used to be that we liked uh, people like Co Christopher Columbus, and now, of course, we want to destroy Christopher Columbus. Uh, Hollywood, which controls our televisions every night, they decided that uh, we didn't want strong men. We wanted to, to have buffoons on the television every night. And all of this is orchestrated in order to uh, undermine, I believe, um, uh, American history so that they can uh, make a fundamental shift 
and create the American future in, in the uh, image of what it is that they want it to become. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, it's so nuanced, and there's so many pieces to that puzzle, Chris, and, and it does seem at times um, a bit overwhelming that, that they can orchestrate many pieces of the puzzle all at the same time. And, uh, and, and certainly we won't get into too much of a, a political discussion, but when uh, you know, President Obama was in, uh, in office, uh, a number, a number of the things that um, that are being said uh, were just so far left and and really just mind blowing. I heard a comment the other morning on another radio show, and I'd love your thoughts on this because I I, I can only imagine what your thoughts going to be. But um, there was a couple, and and maybe it's a few couples that are raising uh, children gender neutral. Yeah. And what they're doing is they're if they're reading a book and it says he or she, they replace it yeah. with they. They do not have anything really in the room except for the, the, the things that the child brings into the room in order to not affect its identity of how it sees itself, this child. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm trying not to laugh, but have, have you heard about this? Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and they call them non-binary. You're neither male nor female. You're not a zero or a one. Uh, you're whatever you want to be. I, I read somewhere that Facebook has something like 35 gender options when you register for a new account. Um, you know, you can choose whatever you want to choose. And, you know, I, I maybe I'm just old school, but if you have a penis, you're a boy, and if you have a vagina, you're a girl. I mean, to me, that's, that's just sort of simple, basic biology. But what they're doing yeah. now is that you have you have uh, sex and then you have gender. So the idea now is to separate gender from sex. So you might right. be a male sexually because you have a penis, but you could have a you could be a female by gender. And yeah. this just seems to me like a whole lot of uh, mental gymnastics. Oh, absolutely. And I just I, I can't help but think that, you know, depending upon where you are, and I, I feel very, I'm, I'm in beautiful, sunny Southern California today, and um, I can't imagine that it doesn't contribute to a really confused uh, group of, of children that become really, really confused about who or what they are. And then certainly uh, socially and, and uh, you know, peer pressure and people within the community usually will help define whether you're a boy or a girl based on, you know, obvious things, you know, so it is just kind of interesting how we're trying to fight actual genetics at this point and, and biology, you know, it's just crazy. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to me as well, but you know, when we talk about the real man thing, it was funny early on in, in our podcast, we were talking about toys and what toys you would let your children play with. And Larry, Larry is a good old boy from Oklahoma. I mean, if you look at Larry, he has a, a, a custom-made boot collection that's worth about a hundred, maybe hundred to fifty thousand dollars. He is a good old boy from Oklahoma who loves his whiskey, loves his cigars, but he loves to cook. And so we were talking about: Would you let your children or your grandchildren, if they were boys, have an easy bake oven? And Larry says, I wish I'd have had an easy bake oven when I was a kid. <laughs> you know? So, because he loves to cook, and so you know. I, I think that there are some things in which we could be a little easier on in regard to, you know, the, the toys that kids play with and stuff. I think naturally you're going to find most boys, even if you – there's a lot of women now, you know, left-wing women that will say, well, my child, my boy is never going to have a gun. Well, he will the first time he finds a stick and holds it in his hand and starts pulling the trigger, right? Because right. little right. boys most often will find – they'll find a way to make anything into a gun. Um, yeah, because that sort of seems to be innate. Yeah, yeah. No, that's. I mean, that's the truth. When you watch little boys play, they're it, for the most part they're different than little girls playing. However, uh, yeah, you know, there are statistical anomalies, and there are different groups of people that act differently. And uh, if that's one yeah. or two percent of the population, we seem to be uh, doing uh, gymnastics to, to accommodate that one or 2% rather than, uh, yeah. you know, kind of fortifying and securing the other uh, 90%. But I am, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, there must be a lot of confusion. I am when I, when I try to step back and be a, a human and view this humanely, um, mm -hmm. I can't imagine living in the mind 
of a 14-year-old boy who thinks that he's a girl or a 14-year-old girl who wonders if she's really a boy. And so the compassionate side of me understands that there is a real emotional storm going inside of these children, um, and, and one that we as society need to take seriously. I don't think that, uh, you know, that willy-nilly saying, well, you must be a girl even though you're a boy, or you must be a boy even though you're a girl. I don't think that just running off and embracing it full-fledged so quickly is necessarily the answer, but I do have some compassion for children who are having some real uh, internal struggles because, you know, we all have internal struggles. I can't imagine if I, what this, my struggles would be if I was trying to figure out, you know, who I was gender-wise. And, and Chris, that's so brilliant because I mean, in in the end, the reality is is our evolution as as Christian people or as as sensitive, empathetic, understanding people, right? When we talk about emotional intelligence, when we can empathize and try and understand, as you just said, I think our society is bending over backwards to try and over understand and and over you know uh, compensate for a very small percentage of the population, which is not happening in most places around the world. Um, right. and, and it may be it may be weakening or or making our children more vulnerable because the reality is is pe- other children from around the world that aren't raised that way are are really truly just running our kids over because we're so sensitive and so you know just we get shut down by the simplest things and kids from around the world are literally just eating our lunch because they're just running our kids over. So I think there's something yeah, for us. Sure. we need to we need to find the answer there somewhere. Hey, Chris, in the last yeah. uh, minute or two here, so tell folks, though, I, I know you're taking probably a little bit of a hiatus just because of, you know, operation and stuff, but I, I know you're still actively speaking, and obviously you have the show. Um, how can people get in touch with you to, to speak and travel? And, and I know you're, I probably shouldn't say that because you're probably inundated, but I mean, if someone wants, would like to have you speak at an event or travel or, or do something, what would be the best way for them to proceed? Yeah, send me an email at widenergroup at gmail.com, and that's W-I-D-E, like the word wide, with a ner, N-E-R, widenergroup at gmail.com, and let me know about what your event is. I, uh, my primary uh, job is a leadership speaker. I've written almost 20 books and, and primarily speak on one of those books called The Art of Influence. Um, but uh, I'm also doing a, you know, starting to do a number of events for men's groups and, uh, and things like that where we're talking about these issues that are confronting men today. So uh, widenergroup at uh, gmail.com. Otherwise, you can call me at uh, 877-212-4747. It's 877-212-4747, which actually spells out uh, 877-21-CHRIS. So feel free to oh, give me a call. That's awesome. Awesome. Chris, thank you so very much for, for your friendship. Thank you so very much for joining me on the show again. And uh, I hope you feel well son, uh, soon, all right? Kevin, I appreciate it. All right, man. God bless. Talk to you soon, Chris. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Well, there we go, folks. Uh, you know, Chris Widener, just a, a real gentleman, a really a real thoughtful person. I'm glad he finished up the, that, the, the commentary and the discussion that we were talking about, um, about his, his, empathetic and his sensitive side because he, he's one of the most well-rounded just intelligent guys that i know and and obviously incredibly well read and um you know he does have that empathetic side so while he and larry um may not joke i mean i, I do think they're they're seriously concerned about the well-being of men in america as well as young men our millennials that that we're raising and um, how do we raise them to be, quote-unquote, real men? And I think there's so many things pulling at our, our young men about how to be a real man. I think one of the things that Chris and I didn't talk about, we talked about off, uh, off air, is this idea that there is a huge population of single women that are raising men. And, you know... I don't know if it's because there's absentee dads or I don't know because the dads aren't involved or whether women are a little over domineering about how they're going to raise a young man. And, and I, I will state, uh, you know, uh, unapologetically that if you are a woman, you cannot raise a real man, a young man without a man's influence. Um, and I think that uh, Chris and I originally had a little bit of a debate about 
his show because there was a, a question about asking women about what they think a real man was. And I said, listen, how are we as real men leading as real men if we're concerned about woman, what woman, a woman thinks a real man is? And um, I, I just had a lot of challenges with that. And uh, and that wasn't the that wasn't the case. It wasn't the question that was being asked. However, um, you know, it did read that way, or I did read it that way. And I thought, you know what, we we need to lead from a position of strength. And anyone that would like to call, uh, please feel free to call in at eight 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 six two seven six zero zero eight six two seven six zero zero eight or three two three seven four 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 eight three one. Three two three seven four 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 eight three one. If you have a comment or suggestion, but anyway, I, I think the reality is is that we know that we are in a uh, position of turmoil. We're in a position of uh, change and transition. Um, I, I don't necessarily call it evolution because there are some negative things that are going on that I think we need to actually prevent from continuing to move forward. So um, you know, feel free to uh, to give me a call if you if you feel like uh, stating a comment. We'll uh, be right back in a couple of seconds after a brief break. Thank you very much for joining me. This is Kevin McCrudden, uh, Motivate America with Kevin McCrudden. Thank you so much for joining me. Be back in a moment. Today's show has been brought to you by Nightingale Conant and Get Motivated Seminars. Kevin L. McCrudden is the only motivational and leadership speaker in America to ever have a day of recognition passed by the United States Congress. January 2nd of every year is National Motivation and Inspiration Day. Kevin is an international author, speaker, and America's CMO, Chief Motivation Officer. Join us now for an hour to motivate and inspire your life. Welcome back, folks. This is Kevin McCrudden, America's Chief Motivation Officer. Uh, thanking you for uh, joining me again this week. Uh, joining you from sunny Southern California, down here in beautiful Orange County, uh, looking out at a set of gorgeous palm trees in the mountains uh, in, here in Orange County. Uh, beautiful, beautiful view. Um, so just had uh, Chris Widener on as our guest, a great guest, uh, you know, a good friend of mine, but uh, certainly well you know, uh, well-read and, and just uh, someone with a very strong uh, background and, and uh, certainly just a really a, a good man. And if you have the opportunity to hear him speak or go see him speak, I, I encourage you to. And then uh, obviously, as he said, um, if you're if you're looking for him to speak, uh, you can shoot him an email at uh, Widener Group, uh, Chris at WidenerGroup.com. Um, and uh, and that hopefully you'll get in touch with him. And, and, and certainly you can just Google him or look up his website. Uh, and it's Chris Widener, W-I-D-E-N-E-R. So just Google him. You'll be able to get in touch with him, send him an email or call him about uh, any speaking engagements or upcoming speaking engagements. In the meantime, you know, one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to transition here, talk a little bit about business. You know, business in America uh, seems to be on fire, right? The unemployment rate is down below 4%. Uh, really what it comes down to is that anybody that, that wants to work or can work is, is essentially working. Um, you know, that's what happens when you're down below 4% in a population of 350 plus million people. Uh, that's not bad. That's not bad that, that for the most part, anyone that wants to work is working. And uh, there's plenty of opportunity out there. I see plenty of signs that still say help wanted, which is great. Um, you know, we've got to get our kids out there and get them working and making money and getting them to understand what it's like to get out there and make money. Um, my next guest is, uh, is an interesting guy. Uh, we've, uh, we've recently met, had some great conversations, uh, and I'm consulting with him and helping him with his business. And um, he has a franchise business, but it's in the media industry. It's in the advertising uh, sector. And uh, the, the name of the company is The Inside Coop. And uh, the owner uh, and developer is uh, Dave Swyman. Dave uh, created this idea after years of being in the direct mail and direct response uh, business and uh, understands the idea of um, 
advertising and direct response advertising, but then he's also mixed in uh, a magazine format, so there's a little bit of a hybrid action going on there. And then he also um, has the digital format that is uh, also a part of it. So he's uh, he's created this now into one of the fastest-growing uh, franchise opportunities in America. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit to Dave uh, with Dave about the idea of how do you take a small business and, and grow it the way he did, uh, certainly with his sweat equity and, uh, and, and his smarts. And then, you know, how do you just keep on persevering and, and pushing to the point where you now have it where uh, it's in 17 cities around the country and people are growing and, and making money and, and having success. And, um, you know, certainly very proud uh, to be able to be working with him. He's a real gentleman, real, uh, real nice man. And um, the, the model is a really unique one, a really unique model. Once again, a, a hybrid of a magazine and a coupon-based um, direct offer, direct response advertising. So uh, Dave Fine will be joining us in a, in a moment. I know that he's traveling. Uh, for those of you that would like to call in, feel free to give a call to uh, 888-627-6008, 888-627-6008. Or direct line, 323-744-4831, 323-744-4831. And uh, I'm not sure if uh, if we have Dave on the line. Do we have Dave on the line? Yeah. Not yet? All right. So we're going to wait a couple more minutes. I know that he's in transition, so we'll, uh, we'll hopefully have him on uh, online in a minute. So one of the things that I find interesting in traveling around the country and, and speaking and dealing with all sorts of different types of business groups, um, there does seem to be a challenge about finding talent. Uh, that certainly is uh, an issue. And uh, if, if you are a business owner and would like to be on the show, uh, please feel free to uh, send me an email at kevin at motivateamerica.us, kevin at motivateamerica.us. Uh, we love talking to small business owners. We love talking about business. And uh, we also, obviously, like talking about motivation, inspiration, and, and what motivates and inspires people. And I think one of our challenges uh, currently in America, and I talked to Dave, uh, Chris a little bit about it, is this idea of our, our millennials and our young men, um, you know, about uh, potentially their work ethic, their, their willingness to work hard and to start at the bottom and learn about a company in order to grow. And, you know, for those of us that are older than 40, um, I think that our generation, and we have mixed generations there, you know, sort of the, you know, Gen Xers and uh, baby boomers, the tail end of the baby boomers. We grew up in an era where the, the idea was that you would go to work for a company and you didn't just start at the top, you, you started at the bottom and learned about the company and worked and kind of earned your way up the ladder because that actually helps you understand more about the company and how the company worked. And unfortunately, my sense is being uh, exposed to a number of young adults that are coming out of colleges that uh, they feel as though they've put in their time in college at the four years of uh, drinking and hanging out and partying. Um, and that those four years qualify them to walk in at pretty high levels. Um, and I, I find it interesting because, you know, every company has their own uh, culture, has their own um, protocols, has their own uh, environments where, you know, all of us, when we go into a new business, we have to sort of learn the, the native culture and the local culture and, and what the, what's important within that company. Uh, every company that you go into obviously has performance metrics and has uh, expectations. But, you know, to start out at the lower level to understand uh, each of the levels or the components of a company before you grow up within the company. And um, uh, I think Dave's going to join us in a second here is that so when we talk about trying to grow a company from the very bottom, meaning you actually do the work and you actually put in the sweat equity and you get the scrapes and bumps and bruises and the financial bumps and bruises of trying to grow a business. And then by the time you get up into, you know, doing the business for five, 10 years, 
you actually literally know how to run the business from soup to nuts, from the bottom to the top. And I think we may be missing that a little bit in America. But let's talk to uh, Dave Sliman a little bit about you know his business experience and how he's created one of the fastest growing franchise companies in America. Dave, are you there? I am, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Hey, how are you, bud? I'm doing great. Doing great. Good. Good. I'm glad. So, Dave, I was giving our audience a little bit of an introduction about you know your background and being in the, the advertising industry and, and creating this hybrid of this uh, magazine direct response product. And, and, I mean, you put in years of sweat equity and, and you know elbow grease yourself in order to build this. And now it's one of the fastest growing franchise companies uh, in America in, in what, you know, 15, 16 cities. And so tell you a little bit about your background and how you started out really, you know, creating the Inside Coop and uh, and really doing it yourself, doing, you know, you, you did it yourself. Yeah, um, started the Inside Coop magazine back in 2011. And literally, I went out and started the first mailing zone uh, in 10 weeks, sold 32 pages and got our first publication going out. Um, but it was, it, w- it was a lot of uh, hard work from, from top to bottom, doing a lot of the, the grunt work in the beginning, but really building it and kind of bootstrapped uh, in the beginning and, you know, taking it day by day, goal by goal and building it from the inside out. And uh, yeah, now, uh, you know, seven years later, we're, we're again, yeah, uh, 10 states and, and 25 cities and, and a, a great growing magazine. But, I, you know, I think there's a, a few things that, that go along with the hard work. I mean, you also have to have a product that people like, and that's key mm-hmm. um, with, with any business. You've got to have an attraction or have, have the need for the product. And um, what we put together was really a hybrid magazine that not only had a, a, uh, a magazine feel and an editorial feel, but also the promotional side to drive results. So we mm-hmm. took a combination of both of those and put that together. Um, and then from there, we, we just kept building it zone by zone by zone. But again, you got to have a need. And also, I think another key element to, to building a strong business is obviously drive um, and uh, uh, working hard, but also timing. You, you got you to have the right timing as well. Dave, it's kind of interesting you say, you know, having a need but also a decent product. I mean, a lot of people fall in love with the idea of, you know, creating a business and, and, and yet, you know, they push it out there and it's not accepted or embraced or um, people aren't buying it, you know. So whether there's a need or not, a lot of business owners, I think, fall in love with their own idea and then they keep on pushing and pushing even though it's, it's, it's not that it's being rejected, but it's not being embraced by the community. In your case, you'd spent 20 years in the industry of, of media and direct response. You kind of had an idea of how things worked, what what was good, what wasn't good, and you merged these two spaces into the Inside Coop and this magazine, this hybrid magazine look. For the first couple of years when you are doing this, did you ever fear or did you get the sense of like, wait a second, I have to tweak this, or maybe the product isn't exactly what's being accepted. It sounded like it grew pretty quickly, so you knew the product, you were on target with the product, though. It did. You know, I, I growing up in the industry, I mean, I've been, again, been in, like you said, 20 years in this industry. So for the first 14 years, uh, you know, 13, 14 years in this industry, I obviously studied my competition. I knew what was out there as far as direct mail products. And, and again, no disrespect to to the competitors, but there just was no evolution um, in the products. I mean, you look at a lot of them today, and you look at them 30 years ago, and there's just there's been no evolution. So I studied my com- competitors, and I knew what was out there, and I also had a good pulse on the the the, the business community and what they were looking for. So um, putting those together, having an understanding of the industry, doing some research, obviously putting together some some uh, uh, demos. I mean, the first magazine that we put out. We, we were even selling a magazine that was out yet. I mean, we put a put a demo together. Um, mm-hmm. But the key was to put something that, that where there was a need. And I think small businesses really want to showcase their business in, in something that, that holds value. And mm-hmm. we put together, again, kind of the elements of an editorial and uh, a great magazine feel along with the promotional side to measure and track results. And um, from the first start, there, there really wasn't a point where I – I didn't feel it was going to be successful. I mean, from day one, I felt like we were on the right track. 
of, of putting something together that that really could not only help local and, and small businesses in the community, but really connect those people who are who are there. You know, David, and it, it really, I mean, this is a critical thing. Is that I think in many of my shows previously, I talk about the golden goose, America's golden goose, and I don't think people realize that small business owners with, with businesses with under 25 employees, the mom and pops, the ones that run the shops and the nail salons and the pizza salons and the dry cleaners and, the, and, and all those types of businesses, our favorite restaurants, you know, these are people that are working really hard week in and week out to, to you know, pay our local, you know, local folks so that they have money to spend in town. So, I mean, you're really working with the people that are the economic engine of America. You know, these, this is the golden goose of America, that 80% of businesses, small businesses that have less than 25 employees. It, in your sense of dealing with these hardworking Americans, these people that just have their own small businesses, you, do you get a sense of how they, uh, how they feel about, like, running their businesses, owning their businesses, that sense of pride? Um, you know, they're constantly pushed in different directions and torn. What are some of your experiences with people and literally all over the country, small business owners? Well, I, you know, I think it goes across the board. I mean, you have some people who are really in tune with what it takes and you have others who just, you know, they, they, they have a good work ethic and, and they're still learning on a day by day basis. So you really get in this business all across the board, um, different types of business owners, different types of businesses. They might be early into their stages. Uh, they might be around for a while and opening up more locations. So you really do get a whole scope of, of uh, different type of business owners. But there is a key element that they all want to do. And it's really simple. I mean, there, there's two things. One, as a small business, you want to bring in new customers. That's key. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is you want to keep them. So if you can, it, it, it's, it sounds simple, and, and sometimes it's a little bit more complicated than that, but it really is. It's those two things. If you're a small business in America these days, the key is you've got to bring new customers in the door, and you've got to be able to keep them. Now, how you do that is, is where it gets, you get a, little, a, a lot of different options. And uh, that's the great thing about direct mail is, it, one, it's the most, probably the most affordable thing that a small business can do for their business in, in, in tr- trying to generate new customers or connect with their current community. And secondly, it's the most trackable thing. I mean, people have to bring them in or, or, or they, they have to bring in the redemptions or they have to make a phone call and redeem that offer. So it's extremely trackable. And that was, again, one of the biggest things of, that we wanted to do was put something out there that a small business could afford and also measure. And, you know, you got a small mom and pop pizza shop on the corner. They can't compete with the national chains. So they have to be able to, to one, do something that's affordable and effective, but also be able to manage that. And um, th- those are the keys. That's awesome, David. And I know it's so funny. Like, listen, what you take for granted, right, is, you know, there's kids that are going to business school and they're coming out with MBAs and they're thinking like, wow, I'm going to help this company and I'm going to help them grow. We're going to come up with all these formulas and spreadsheets. And, oh, and in yeah. the end, it becomes, look, you got to attract people. They got to come in, have a good experience. And then those are the most valuable people you have because you have to retain them. You got to make sure you keep your customers. And you did. You may have sound so, so simple, but the reality is, is so many businesses, regardless of how big or how small, have a very difficult time of retaining and keeping customers happy and then obviously gaining new ones, right? So those are two really Absolutely. big challenging things, but they, they are significant keys to a successful small business. And now let's talk a little bit about you, know, you and, and Inside Coop, Dave, and, and, and your growth over the past, I mean, really your explosive growth over the past two or three years. You're now, now I thought it was 17, you're in 25 cities, which is awesome, and growing. Um, talk about that process, and why do you think it's being embraced so so quickly and so rapidly? Well, I, I think most of all is, is the program works, and um, I I guess people are calling us an industry disruptor. Uh, again, the direct mail industry has been around for a long, long time, but mm-hmm. um, you know, again, uh, the idea when we started this in 2011 was to put put a product out there that had um, that, that was not only fresh, but ultimately gave business owners the sense that they wanted to put their brand and their image in it and they felt value. So that was the, the real goal uh, of, of doing that. And 
So again, we opened up our first mailing zone in in, in uh, 2011. Uh, we had, and within a year of our first anniversary, we had six mailing zones going, and we grew the the Phoenix market pretty progressively. And I always knew that we wanted to bring this to a national scale. And growing up as a franchisee of another direct mail program years back, um, I knew that this was the avenue we were going to take. So uh, we have great franchisees in our in our um, in our system who obviously believe in the product, are seeing results, and I think that's ultimately uh, another reason for our growth. Um, and it, it really comes down to what I just said: results. Uh, we have happy customers, happy franchisees, and really have put a, a fresh approach on an industry that that really needs it. That's awesome, bud. And now you're almost—I mean, you're just—you're cracking a, a million in circulation every month, right? You're you're right about there, or just below that? Uh, right now, yeah, we're about almost seven hundred thousand. So we're gonna, mm-hmm. we're hoping by the end of the year that we have our million circulation, and and uh, that's that's our goal at this at this level. That's amazing, Dave. That really is amazing. So you know, in in the last uh, few minutes here. Tell folks how they can get in touch with you. If someone's interested in opening a franchise, um, you know, how would they reach you via email or call you or, or call, you know, how would they get in touch with you if they're interested in a franchise with the Inside Coop? Well, they can check out our website, and that's uh, www.theinsidecoop.com. And uh, we have a franchise tab on there where you can reach out and inquire, or you could call the office. Um, we're in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, the phone number is uh, 602-595-6550, and uh, someone will pick up, or the uh, extension is, uh, I believe, extension one. So, um, yeah, either way, real simple, getting on our website is probably the easiest so that we can reach back out with you and uh, see if your market is available. And that's another great thing about being an emerging brand like we are. We still have a lot of great markets that are available. And again, uh, not taking anything away from the competitors, but the ones that have been around for a while have mar- really the great markets are, are taken at this point. So uh, mm-hmm. with us, we have a lot of great markets available. And um, just uh, give us a call or reach out to, to find out if, uh, if they are. That's awesome, Dave. That's awesome, and and I'm so glad that we've gotten to uh, to get to know each other a little bit. I, I believe in this Absolutely. model. I think it's a great product, and um, I, I think you know your advice or your thoughts. And and this is what's so great about interviewing you know business owners. And in this case, you you used to be. I suppose you're still considered a small business owner, but the reality sure. is, is is you're you're helping uh, other small businesses around the country grow. And uh, really, when you think about the idea of being an, an economic incubator, uh, the ability to drive traffic to someone's business, there's really nothing more important than being able to do that or contribute that for a small business owner. Absolutely. It's about connecting communities. And whether you're a business owner in the community, whether you're a franchisee in the community, or whether you're a resident in the community, it's about tying that all together. Um, and I think there's so much, you know, I think people are more aware of that even these days now in supporting local. I mean, you hear that a lot more than you used to. And again, mm-hmm. I don't take anything away from the big box stores, but like you said, 80% of these small businesses that are out there are, or 80% of businesses are these small businesses out there that need your local support. So um, that's our goal is putting an, an avenue together to connect those communities and do it in a way that's going to, uh, you know, have awareness, have awareness to it. You're terrific. Dave, give the uh, website one more time so that people can uh, get in touch with you. And, of course, they have to write that they they heard this on Motivate America with Kevin McCoy. Absolutely. But what's the, Absolutely. What's the, uh, what's the website? <laughs> um, it's theinsidecoopcoup.com. Once again, that's theinsidecoop.com. And uh, check out the site there. And, Kev, thank you. You've been such a just a, a great, uh, you know, support system for us and and just a business partner and just we really really are blessed to have you as part of the you know team and helping us out as well dave thank you so very much folks so dave we'll be in touch god bless best of luck the rest of the way all right okay thank you all right great thank you so much all right folks so um you know this i think a really intriguing business um once again i was kind of leading into the conversation with him the idea that you know, so many of our young folks, um, 
aren't willing to pay the price, aren't willing to put in the sweat equity, aren't willing to get the, the bumps and bruises to help grow a business and learn from the bottom up so that you truly understand what the business is about. You know, so it's very hard to be a leader within a business and really not understand what, what the business is. And uh, for many of you that have been listening for years, you know, one of my favorite things is, uh, is theory is great yet in application. And I think it's uh, actually from Aristotle. Um, the idea that we think of things in theory, but when it becomes application and actually applying our, our theories, they don't always work the way we think they do. And unfortunately, what's happening is we have kids coming out of college and coming out of university and coming out of master's programs that, that think that they are, you know, they have all the knowledge they need in order to make something work. And the reality is they have learned theoretical elements. And now they have to learn how to apply them. And as they learn how to apply them and make mistakes, and they do make mistakes that hopefully aren't too costly for businesses, that's where you pay your price. That's where you pay your dues with little bumps and bruises and learning things and and scrapes. And, And that's how we all learn in business. We learn how to adjust and tweak. And that leads into to Dave Simon and Andy inside Coop. He started this out with his, with 20 years of experience in the direct response industry. He rolled up his sleeves. He decided that he was going to go all in and create his own version, his own hybrid version of direct response product um, that really is uh, sort of a disruptor in this industry now. And um, it's growing like wildfire. It's now in, you know, he just said 20-something cities, and I didn't realize that. So, I mean, it's, it's growing really quickly. And... Um, you know, it, it's just it's interesting when you see someone uh, get 20 or 30 years of experience and then roll up their sleeves and apply all the stuff that they've learned into their own product. And in this case, um, it's actually taken off and grown. So uh, once again, if, if you want to get in touch with uh, with Dave Slyman, go to their website, theinsidecoupcoup.com, and uh, make sure you write down that uh, you heard it on Motivate America and find out if there's uh, a franchise available in your city and um, and hopefully uh, hopefully you can get your own business running in your own city. Um, so the last closing minutes here, folks. I am beyond blessed to uh, to be here on the radio um, and 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 being on the internet here and and uh, sharing uh, you know these uh, this time with you, but also having these amazing people call in and have uh, conversations with you. Uh, Chris Widener, one of the one of the best known and most successful speakers. Uh, in the world, uh, a gentleman like uh, Dave Slyman, who's an up-and-coming uh, businessman in the uh, direct marketing or direct uh, response and advertising and marketing uh, industry by creating something that hasn't been done before, a little bit of a hybrid product that's growing really quickly. Uh, I'll continue to reach out to, to small business owners and some of my my clients and former clients and, and, uh, and have people on the air that we can talk about. You know, what are they doing that's building success? What are some of the things that they're having challenges with? And, um, and, and hopefully motivating and inspiring you as you listen to say, you know what, gosh, you know, these people have had challenges. These people have overcome adversity. These people have done things to create. And um, I truly believe that part of our journey in life is to create, to try and build. And when we build things and we create things, it makes us feel good. It makes us feel like we're contributing to society. And, and that's what I do. Uh, you know, my first book is called Who Are You? Become the Very Best You That You Can Be. Uh, introduces the most significant addition to Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. It's about meeting needs and growing. And that is my calling. My calling is to help people grow and become the very best they can be. And for those of you that are close to me and know that I've just, uh, I, I was, uh, shattered two years ago, and uh, have now uh, rebuilt myself. Gotten my energy back. I'm back on the, on the radio. I'm back, you know, having uh, multiple clients and traveling all over the country. Um, you know, it took two years, but I'm back on my feet, and and uh, and and I just I have so many people to thank, and and I thank God for His influence in my life and bringing uh, amazing people into my life to help uh, rebuild and reshape me and my life. So uh, for all of us. Um, I'd encourage you not to get uh, ever get too far away from the fact that God has an amazing influence on our lives, an amazing plan for us. Um, so while we're all looking for motivation and inspiration, uh, I think we all need to continue to have faith 
and dedication and commitment um, to our to ourselves and to the the mission that God has for us. Folks, I can't thank you enough for joining me again. God bless. Have a great, great week, and uh, we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, once again, it's Kevin at MotivateAmerica.us. Feel free to send me notes. Uh, look for me on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and I look forward to hearing from you. Take care. God bless.